welcome to Popcorn for One, your fortnightly film podcast where we review some classic and not so classic films for you all to enjoy. We also discuss everything that goes on in between, some stand and fandom life, and we just generally chat about movies because you know what? That's what makes us happy. Cinema Club 2023 is here and we are here for it. of December. Welcome to Popcorn for One, your fortnightly film podcast. How we have got to the 20th of December, I have no idea, but besties, we are here, and oh my god. Ah! This should have been a short episode, and it's not going to be. <laughs> um, so let's tell you what is going down. First of all, we are going to talk the Golden Globes nominees. Then we are going to talk about what I have watched in the last fortnight. Then we are going to look at what I've watched at Secret Cinema. Then we are going to do what you've watched in the last fortnight. Then we are going to chat about a certain film's 30th birthday. And then we are going to have this fortnight's big review. There's a lot to cover there. It goes off on one. The thing I had planned about talking about whether certain films were Christmas films or not has gone completely out of the window because I didn't realise that stuff would be going down. I didn't realise Golden Globes would be happening somewhere that would be in there as well. So, yeah. That's what we've got to chat about this episode. Let's crack on and let's do it, shall we? Yes, I think we should. It's award season already? Was not expecting this to be happening on this episode, but here we are. We are talking Golden Globe nominations. Yes, we are. The Golden Globes will be happening on the 7th of January. Um, It will be very interesting to see what does happen. I have no idea who's presenting it, but there was a new award. There was lots of nominations going on, and yeah. A lot went down. Oh, this is weird because they have also changed some of their rules. There's now six nominees for quite a few categories. There's a new cinematic box office category, but they've still split some of their stuff in half. Okay. Um, first of all, because I know you will all sit here and go, why isn't why aren't we talking about this? Why aren't we talking about that? Pedro Pascal has been nominated for The Last of Us for his best performance as a TV actor in the drama series. Good on him. Um, fingers crossed. We're desperately hoping that the succession vote splits everyone because that's Brian Cox, Kieran Culkin and Jeremy Strong. We're hoping that the Crown hacked people off for um, Dominic West. Um, which then means it would be a straight fight between Gary Oldman and Pedro Pascal to see who would get best actor for that. Um, also, um, shout out to Bella Ramsey. Um, they have been nominated for Best Actress for the Trial Rally as well in The Last of Us. And The Last of Us is up for Best Show, which is a very good thing. Uh, Succession got the most nominations in the TV category, absolutely destroying everyone else. Um, everyone else got like three, four or five, and Succession got nine. <clears throat> So that's what um, is going down with TV part of it, um, which will obviously be slightly mentioned when we get to that thing. Um, let's go through the actual film, because this is a film podcast, uh, film nominations for the Golden Globes. So Best Original Song is Addicted to Romance by Bruce Springsteen for She Came to Me. Dance the Night by Dua Lipa for Barbie. I'm Just Ken. 
um, by Mark Watson and uh, Ryan Gosling for Barbie, Peaches by Jack Black for Super Mario Bros, Road to Freedom by Lenny Kravitz for Rustin, and What Was I Made For by Billie Eilish featuring Phineas for Barbie. Yeah. Barbie's going to get... It's going to be ridiculous at the Oscars when it's like, I'm just scared. Peaches, 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 peaches. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Um, best original score. Um, Poor Things, Oppenheimer, The Boy and the Heron, The Zone of Interest, Across the Spider-Verse, and Killers of the Flower Moon. Best screenplay, which only goes for screenplay. It doesn't go adapted or um, just original anymore. Um, Greta Gerwig and Noah... Berkham for Barbie, Tony McNamara for Poor Things, Christopher Nolan for Oppenheimer, Eric Roth and Martin Scorsese for Colors of Power. Flower? It's because of the next line. Uh, Flower Moon, Celine Song for Past Lives, and Justine Tirrett and Arthur Harney for Anatomy of the Fall. I knew I should have seen that. I knew I should have gone, and I didn't. And now I'm like, ah, oh, darn it. Now I come from three categories, which is really weird because we don't split them, even though everything else for the rest of this thing is split. Best Director, Bradley Cooper for Maestro, Greta Gerwig for Barbie, Iago Lamerson for Poor Things, Christopher Nolan for Oppenheimer, Martin Scorsese for Killers of a Flower Moon, and Celine Song for Past Life. Um, again, not split between um, comedy and drama. Best Supporting Actress nominees are Emily Blunt for Oppenheimer, Danielle Brooks for The Colour Purple, Jodie Foster for Nyad, Julian Moore for May December, Rosamund Pike for Saltburn and Devine, Joe Joy Rosef for The Holdovers. Um, we're getting The Holdovers, I believe, at the end of January, um, and everyone keeps going on about it, so I need to track that down because I haven't seen any adverts for it at all and I'm trying to avoid it but I really want to see it. Um, best Supporting Actor again not split uh, Willem Dafoe for Poor Things, Robert De Niro for Killers of the Flower Moon, Robert Downey Jr. for Oppenheimer, Ryan Gosling for Barbie, uh, Charles Melton for May December and Mark Ruffalo for Poor Things. Now we get um, on no rim it's um, the cinematic and box office achievement because like the Oscars they suddenly realise oh we should um, celebrate a film that was actually um, watched by people this year. Problem is, <laughs> the two main contenders for everything are um, <laughs> were the two best watched films of the year. Um, the cinematic box office achievements go to Bar nominees go to Barbie, Guardians Volume Three, John Wick Chapter Four, Day of Reckoning Part One, Across the Spider Verse, Super Mario Bros, Oppenheimer, and The Eras Tour. You think when Taylor Swift started her tour back in whenever it was, March, that she would be getting a Golden Globe nomination come January? No, I don't think she did either. But, you know. Now we're up to the part where it splits, which is funny. Um, best performance in a musical or comedy will start with the actresses. Fantasia Barino for The Colour Purple. Jennifer Lawrence for No Hard Feelings. Good honour, because that was a good performance in a bit of a film um but that's still good um Natalie Portman for May December Alma Poisty for Fallen Leaves Margot Robbie for Barbie and Emma Stone for Poor Things in the actor section for the musical and comedy are Nicolas Cage for Dream Scenario Timothy Chalamet for Wonka Matt Damon for Air woohoo Paul Giamatti for The Holdovers Joaquin Phoenix for Bo is Afraid and Jeffrey Wright for American Fiction then we get to the performances for drama. Um, 
And the actor nominees are Bradley Cooper for Maestro, Leonardo DiCaprio for Killers of the Moon, Coleman Domingo for Rustin, Barry Keogh for Saltburn. Yes. Um, Killian Murphy for Oppenheimer. And the one that actually made me send a voice note of me screaming to my sister going, holy fucking shit. Andrew Scott for all of us strangers. Oh, we get that um, 27th of January. Um, I think me and my sister are going to go and see it on the 27th. Oh, yes. Ah, uh, uh, He might be rubbish in it. Well, I'm guessing he's not if he's up for an acting Golden Globe. But uh, yes, I'm very happy with that. Um, the actresses in the drama section are Annette Benning for Nyad, Lily Gladstone for Killers of the Flower Moon, Sandra Hula for Anatomy of the Fall, Greta Lee for Past Lives, Carey Mulligan for Maestro, and Carly Spani for Priscilla. Um, films are not in the English language, which one of these you'll see when I get so what, and then I'll explain. Um, Anatomy of the Fall, Fallen Leaves, Lo Capitana, uh, Past Lives, Society of the Snow, and The Zone of Interest. The Zone of Interest is very interesting because in the brackets where it's got the different languages, so it goes France, Finland, Italy, uh, USA, which is a little bit odd, but makes sense when you watch that apparent, which makes sense because it's actually Korean, Spain, and then it says Zone of Interest, United Kingdom. It's directed and stars Polish people. Therefore, it's in Polish. <laughs> so, that is why that is there. The animated feature nominees are The Boy and the Heron, Elemental, Across the Spider-Verse, Super Mario Bros, Suze Me, and Wish. And then for Best Picture in a Musical or Comedy are Air, American Fiction, Barbie, The Holdovers, May, December, and Poor Things. And for drama, they are Anatomy of the Fool, Killers of the Flower Moon, Maestro, Oppenheimer, Past Lives, and Zone of Interest. Barbie received the most Golden Globe nominees. It received nine. Oppenheimer received eight. Killers of the Flower Moon and Poor Things received seven. So yeah, I was not expecting to have to do that this episode. I was thinking I was going to have to throw it into the award episode in the next month, but we're not going to have to do that now, so that's very good. So yeah, that is what was nominated at the Golden Globes. Um, it would have taken me forever to have done the TV ones as well, hence I just did the ones that were important to us. Bella Pedro for Last of Us. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the 7th of January. We'll all be watching that. Um, I actually have no idea where I can watch it in the UK. I don't think we can anymore. Um, but it will be interesting to see um, what goes on there. And well, was someone that, when the nominations were being read out, people could be saying, like, ooh, 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 and someone actually put online, you know, like, suddenly the Golden Globes mean something again. I'm like, oh, that's a good point, actually, because for the last few years they haven't. So, it's interesting that there's suddenly been a shift in that. I don't know why, but that'd be interesting. So, yeah, that was the Gone Globe nominees for 2024. It is time to do the rundown. This is going to have a bit of a festive theme. And there's also, as much as I've watched quite a bit, there's also quite a bit that you're not going to hear from me on here. There's three that you won't because I've reviewed them. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. So 10. That's not bad. We can crack on with that, can't we? I mean, we can skip the first one because the first one was Secret Cinema. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll just move on from that. You'll get to that in a second. Um, and then me and the Hiddleston girls still are not watching Loki at the moment because um, we don't want to put ourselves through the trauma of the finale again. Um, although we probably will do soon. Um, so we're still watching Tom stuff and we are watching Ragnarok. 
And, oh, Taika knows how to make a bloody good film, don't he? It's just bold, my stuff. Oh, I've talked a lot about Ragnarok on it. This is a weird thing now, because there's quite... If you weren't here to start with with some of all of this, um, and you've joined in the last year, you'll be like, why isn't she talking that much about this or about that one? Well, it's because we've already done it quite a few times. Um, and I try to freshen it up um, with different watching. But this one might be just a load of repeating stuff, because obviously there's things that I've watched on here before, plus we're doing Christmas films because it's December. So, I digress. We're going off on a tangent already. This is very random. Anyhow, um, so yeah, we watched Ragnarok. Um, it's hilarious. The gold bloom's so good. There's so many um, Tiger Easter eggs. Kate Blanchett is phenomenal, but it is a bit of a waste that she gets killed off in the end. It's just... <sighs> yeah. No, it's... It's good. It's very good film. And it's just hilariously fun. And if you don't like it, then I'm sorry that you don't find things funny. <laughs> um, then, for Wednesday, um, I went and got my hair cut and I watched some football and the football was on something I could watch here. And then my sister messaged me at the end of football because she was watching it too because it was a big game for another team. And she went, oh, so what are you doing now? I'm about to go to bed. I went, I'm going to put Elf on. She went, I'm sorry, what? You're going to watch Elf at like... Quarter past nine in the evening. I'm like, yes. Problem. She's like, very big problem. How dare you? <coughs> so, I watched Elf. And I watched Elf on a very important day. It was the 6th of December. And this year, the 6th of December in the UK, it was Elf Day. I wore my shirt. I wore my forget-me-not. And I supported the Alzheimer's Society for dementia as well. Um, my grandpa had dementia. Um, and he died about Christmas, and we always celebrated Elf Day anyhow, before we realised that Elf Day was a thing, then Elf Day became an actual thing, and now, um, because of my grandpa, it's even more of an actual thing, um, and he has been gone quite a while now, um, he went in 2018, just before Christmas, um, I think it would have been Wednesday or Thursday this week, the anniversary of it, yeah, best evening my grandma, I think, um, Sorry, this was meant to get deep. No, this is meant to be a fun, happy podcast. Um, but yeah, so always watch Elf on Elf Day if I can. And you know, everyone's a cotton head in ninny muggins. Uh, I've actually watched Elf twice in the last fortnight. Um, it's better to put it on here once because I knew that it would be within the same thing, otherwise, it would have been next week. But I was at my parents watching football yesterday in my world because it's currently Monday for me here. Um, and I was picking my channels and needed something for 45 minutes and there was Elf and I was just like, that's fine, I can do that. And I always forget that John Favreau turns up and says, yes, oh, it's good. How can you not like Elf? Again, this is all repeating kind of from the last couple of years, especially the next one when it is The Snowman was my next watch. Um, the Snowman for all those that do not live in the UK, probably those that do not live down south or those that live in Sussex, um, is an animated Channel 4 kids film. There was a book that was published first and it's about a boy who 
wakes up one morning, it snows, he builds a snowman, he goes to bed, and then that night magic happens, the snowman comes to life, they explore the house, and then the snowman makes him fly, and they fly off to the North Pole to meet Santa and get their presents. And spoiler if you've not seen it, but the film is older than me, and the film was deemed old when I first saw it. Um, the kid wakes up the next day, and Santa's melted, not Santa, um, the snowman's melted, which is sad. However, as much as the score is beautiful and Walking in the Air is a lovely song and it's animated beautifully and it's introduced by David Bowie, the most important thing about that film and the book is that it is where I live. They ride the motorcycle over the dike. He lives in Ditchling and they fly over the pavilion in Brighton and across the West Pier. I mean, they're going the wrong way for the North Pole. They should be going up the country, not down it. But... <sighs> Goosebumps every time, because it is me. It was, that's my life. It doesn't snow like that here anymore. If we're actually on the ditchling, it would do, because it's the hills. Some of dyke, but... <sighs> yeah, the snowman has a very special place in my heart. And I will watch it every year. It's only half an hour long, but it's... It's lush. It really is. Then I took my mum to see Wonka. That is this fortnight's big review. That's what I'm going to say. Then I was um, flicking through uh, Now TV because I got the cinema package um, through my Black Friday deals. Um, and I've got six months for six pounds, basically. And um, they have their Christmas package on there. And I decided to watch Violent Night, which obviously last year I went to see in the cinema when it came out. Um, with David Harbour as Santa, who beats the crap out of fucking everybody. And the family are uppity and irritating, but you actually go like, yeah, it and Santa, good on you. Um, it's fun, it's over the top, it's very violent and bloody, and it does get a bit cliche at times, but I think that is the point. Um, I love the fact that they use all the references but from other action kind of films that have recently happened or traditional Christmas ones which aren't meant to be traditional Christmas ones like Die Hard. Um, but I love the fact that he kills someone with um, a star topper from the Christmas tree which has got all the lights plugged into it. That is iconic. Ah, oh, that's so good. <coughs> Sorry. Um, it's fun. There's no two ways about it. It is really, really fun. Also, the fact that he keeps hunting for a baseball bat that kids ask for um, for Christmas. He keeps finding PlayStation, Xbox games, going like, no, why do people want this? Why don't they? Yeah, he's got a very good point. Then it was time for Doctor Who, the finale. Um, I'm not going to spoil it, um, but we all know that this was the episode where Shooty was going to be introduced, and it was a very clever introduction. We'd like to thank David Tennant for his tenure once again. Um, Neil Patrick Harris probably will be getting a BAFTA nomination for Best Supporting Actor at TV Awards come June, which will be nice. Um, the Spice Girls reference was insane. Um, it was very clever. Also, the trip down memory lane and people since um, Donna was in it, which was Catherine Tate, um, was very clever. But I'm now actually hyped for Doctor Who on Christmas Day. I will be watching. I won't be watching that on Boxing Day, but I will, on Christmas Day. But I'll be watching it on Boxing Day again. Oh, yeah. Now I'm looking forward to that. That should be really good. And yeah, it was a good way to end the 60th anniversary, but nothing will beat the surprise little cameo in the end of the second one. As much as the second one was the least Doctor Who-y, 
from what I know, not Disney and more Disney, um, that was nice. Also, um, Unit bought the Avengers Tower. So what? Yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, um, then um, there was a few things going on. That's family down, and a few other bits going on. Um, and I was having a bit of an emotional day during last week for various reasons. I was like, you know what? If we're having an emotional day, let's just cry. So I put on white wine and the sun, so I could have a cry at that for the first time because I didn't want it to randomly come on at work and me be sitting there busy going, <laughs> you know, um, and having to explain why I was sobbing my eyes out at work so I listened to that at home and then um I watched Klaus um Klaus is on Netflix Klaus is about um the origins of Santa Claus um and the story that happens there and it's funny and it's beautifully animated and it's sweet and it's a really nice story and oh the voices are so good and it's just so clever and then it gets to the end and it's the last 10 minutes and it ruins you I sat there and I, I know I was being overly emotional anyhow and I put it on knowing I was going to cry. But I cried, cried. It was, oh. Sometimes you need a good cry and you just need someone to push you over the edge to make sure you do do that. And I did that with Klaus. And I needed it. I really, really needed it. Then it was time for a new film. Woo-hoo-hoo. Not a cinema trip though. Um, it's been a bit weird actually, only going to the cinema twice in the last fortnight. Christmas it kind of lulls and then right before Christmas it then kicks off again because this week's Ackman and then there's Ferrari and Priscilla on One Life and next girls win and anyone but him and it will suddenly go boom, 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 boom and be like, oh, I've got a lot to fit in before we get to New Year. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but Netflix has the new chicken run film, Dawn of Nugget. Um, ten-year-old me was busy sitting there inside me going, oh my god, and 34-year-old me was going like, yeah, it's aged all right. <laughs> um, it was a fun story. It was well um, created and crafted. I mean, you can see how far I've come since then, but the technology is still there. Um, the new voices were interesting to get used to to start with, but then you just did and just like, oh, okay, that's fine. Um... Bella joining the cast, Bella Ramsey as Molly, and um, they were amazing. Um, it was so weird to hear them speaking a proper English accent. Bella often will speak in the common English accent, which is a bit like this and just be monotone. But she went for it. She properly sounded like Bella, and I'm very happy for them. And yeah, it was a nice little addition. Um, I love that Daniel Mayer's and Romish Rangamay from Rubber Rats. Um, the cat, a few other surprises along the way, including something that's in the last scene of the film, which is like, oh my god, yeah. Um, but it was fun, and your kids will love it. Your kids will probably wonder why it's been animated in a certain way, and their parents will sit there and go, oh, memories, because they've all seen the original, so yeah. I mean, Chicken Run is iconic, and that's the first time that I've seen Dawn of Nugget, but it was... And I made sure to watch it on Friday, because I didn't want it ruined. And then I saw people on Saturday, and everyone went, oh, so what have you watched recently? And I went, well, Wonka, Wish, Dawn of Nugget, and everyone went, Dawn of Nugget, really? <laughs> so, obviously, the hype's there for that, so that's good. 
Um, then on Saturday, I was going out to a carol concert. My bestie was singing in that. Um, and I wanted something to watch while I was eating dinner. I was just flicking my channels. I mean, I had before from the Nativity film. So I haven't seen that since it was in cinema. I've still got to watch Nativity 3. I actually own Nativity 3 because I won it at something. Which is really bad. But I should get on and watch that. <laughs> um, but I watched Nativity Rocks in Nativity 4. And it's so cliche. But you can tell what, but it's because and it's fun. And it's just, it's just pleasant. That's what it is. It's pleasant and it's alright. So... Yeah, I mean, you get it, you go, oh, okay, yeah, I get this and I get that. And uh, Craig Rebel Horwood is hilarious. And the school rivalry is so good, but it's all right. It does a good job. It's it's what you full-on expect from a nativity film. Um, it's not as good as the first one, <laughs> but it's... There was a lot worse that I could have put on for... The, 50 minutes that I was eating cleaning up before I went out to church um that evening so yeah it was all right then um when I got back from church I knew what I wanted to watch so I sat down and I got my drink out and I sat on the sofa and I had some sweets and I watched Love Actually I feel it in my fingers I feel it in my toes Christmas is all around me and so the feeling grows. I love that I now have to explain to people who Anton Deck are. Or Ant or Deck. It's my favourite scene of the entire film, that. Because it is so of that era as well. It's not just that it's 2003, but it is 2003 CD UK Anton Deck doing the Saturday morning chart show where you find out what your sales if you go out and buy a record on Saturday will affect the chart. And... At the moment, the Christmas number one battle from the UK over here at the moment is huge. There's actually 42 sales between what's currently first and second, which is amazing. Especially as number two is an independent artist and somebody's just, he's everywhere going, oh, I might win. <laughs> which is like, ah! So we're all very proud of him. Um, as long as it's not for TikTok log, that win, that'd be quite nice. Um, but... That's the case, but the whole thing with love actually. I know that some people sit there and go like, "Oh, it's problematic now." There's this and there's that, whatever. But <sighs> it sums up two thousand and three Britain quite well, and it's all the people. And it's the second that score hits as he leaps through the airplane. That makes me cry every single time. It's <sighs> so good. I'm never gonna dislove actually. I'm really not. It's just. <sighs> Yeah. If you really love Christmas, come on and let us know. Then I watched The Wrong Trousers. We're going to talk about The Wrong Trousers in a minute, so we're just going to leave that there. The final film of the rundown is Die Hard 2. Die Hard 2. I know it's really weird to watch Die Hard 2 before you watch Die Hard, but Die Hard 2 is also a Christmas film. Um, so, and you have to watch Die Hard on Christmas Eve because Hans has got, or going into Christmas Eve, because Hans has got to fall off the Nakatomi Plaza on Christmas Eve. So, you know, it's got to happen. And it's so good. Well, actually, Die Hard 2 is not so good. Die Hard's good. We will get to that. Um, have we ever actually talked about Die Hard? Have I ever done a rundown on my review show, on my awards? I'm not sure I have. We'll find out. I might go back and listen to it. 
We'll find out in a few. I'll tell you on on next week's on next Fortnite's episode. I will tell you if I've ever done Die Hard before. Um. So yeah. Um, Die Hard Two, Just Sack Pat, um, this Alex Skywalker, um, the Church, the Ice Cream in the Ice, um, the Sitting Ducks, the what's it, the things about oh, guy and a what's it from the same time twice, um, where's the fucking door, ah, oh, it's just classic Die Hard, and God bless you, Bruce. I know you're not dead yet, but God bless you, Bruce. Oh, it is one of a week of Die Hards. It was made because it was the. Like, oh, okay, we should make a second one, but... I know that I'm sitting there busy going, like, it's one of the weaker Die Hard films, but it's still a lot of fun. I still watch it every Christmas, and I still love Die Hard movies, so I can't slag it off that much, can I? (sighs) That's it. That's the rundown. That's exactly what I've watched in the last fortnight. Hopefully there's some stuff in there that you would like to watch. Um, New Normal Service might resume next time, because you'll have a week's worth of, holy crap, she's watched a load of Christmas films, and there's only a load of... Oh, she's watching stuff because she needs to watch it before the end of the year. Yeah, that's what's going to happen. That's really what's going to happen. So, yeah, thank you for bearing with that. Um, I tried to flew through that as quickly as possible, but it's never the case, is it? You just, you just go off on one. Yeah, you really do. You know the drill by now if you've been here long enough. A secret cinema trip means it's going to be a big review of a fortnight, definitely, because nine times out of ten it's a film that's not going to be out for a little while and that you're going to get a chance to see. Which, knowing that Christmas is coming up, you might actually want to go to cinema to watch this. I might be going again. Um, so, Cineworld never hand out clues for their secret cinema, as I've told you many times. But View quite often will give away the runtime. And Ojin always give out clues. And it's very unlikely that it's a completely different film to either of those two. It's happened a couple of times, but it's not that often where that's the case. So, the first Ojin clue, I was like, oh, I think I know this. Then I saw the view runtime, so I'm pretty certain. When I saw the second clue, I was like, done deal. So I then did look at what third clue and it just confirmed it completely. I was like, yes, 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 yes. So I got to my Cineworld and I went in and I sat down in screen two, which wasn't screen one, which was quite weird that it wasn't in screen one, but I'm not going to complain that much about that. So I went, I sat down in screen two and then someone came around and went, we've got a gift for you. So what do you mean, a gift? We're giving everyone gifts this week. I was like, oh, okay, fine. And out came a little pop box of pick and mix with all their smileys in them. Yeah, every single person in uh, un- secret cinema who, be it unlimited like me and didn't actually pay and just took their chance, or um, the people that paid £5 to see it, got a box of sweets. Cheers. They're quite tacky and quiet. They're really sweet. So it's taken a while to eat through them, but pretty decent so i did that then the trailers happened and you can actually you can work out there's something that might be awards bait kind of because of who's in it and what the subject matter is um but it was very much an awards bait of adverse um and i counted how long the title screen is black for so i sat there and i got up to 17 seconds (laughs) before the words Next goal wins appears on the screen. And I heard four people go, yes! And one person go, woohoo! And I always have a quick look around and I didn't see anyone leave. And I then got so engrossed in the film that I couldn't actually tell <coughs> if anyone left during the film. 
for those of you who do not know anything about Next Girl Wins, this has been on my watch list for forever. Mainly because it was being made in 2019. There was a chance it could have been released in 2020 if they got their act together. It was not <laughs> because it's being released now. <laughs> um, this is a Taika Waititi film. That is all I need to tell you because you now know it's going to be insane. Because it's Taika. Um, and it is based on the um, America Samoa football team. Um back when they lost to Australia in the World Cup qualifiers years ago and how they're going to be kicked out of the um, FIFA, uh, of the Football Federation for all of that and because they haven't got a full-time team because they don't actually have enough people on the island to play football. And it's about the journey and the fact that all they actually want to do is score one goal and how the team is formed and how they do things together and the coach that is put in charge of them. Um, this film is taken from the documentary. I seriously recommend you watch the documentary first at some point. Um, I watched the documentary back in 2020 when everyone was having lockdowns and we were thinking we might get it at the end of 2020. Yeah, that's how long it's been going on for. My obsession with Tiger. Um, <coughs> it's not as bad as my obsession with Pedro. Don't worry. It's still pretty bad. Um, and, you know, Tiger and Pedro and the same thing, so happy days. Someone actually only realised the other day that the person that murders Tiger Waititi on the red carpet for that Disney promo is Pedro Pascal. I was like, why have you only just realised that? And I realised that about ages ago. Like, oh, okay. So I digress. Um, so Tiger's directed it, Tiger wrote it, Tiger produced it. And there was one point, as someone that is... A devotee to Mr. YTT. There's only two I've not seen, I believe. Uh, Boy and Eagle vs. Shark. I've seen the rest of it. I've seen most of the shorts as well. I've watched a few TV episodes as well that he's done there. The only thing I haven't watched is Half Flag Means Death. I watched the first episode and then I didn't laugh as much as I thought I would. And then I decided to watch something else before I watched the second. I've never got back to it. I've also got what we do in the Shadow Season 5 to do. Blame an ugly Betty for that. I'm also blaming the fact that it's not on BBC2 and I can't just run and go, oh, we'll watch that next week and then not do it. Anyhow, I was, oh, this is going off in so many tangents. This isn't talking about next girl wins at all. But, but it is because there are so many little Easter eggs in Tiger films that if you are a devotee like me and you sit there and you watch them all and then you watch something like this, which is new, and he does a trick or something else happens in it or something goes on, you go like, Ah, that's from that, or that's linked to this, and that's in... and it's so clever. It's really funny. There was one point in cinema where I sat there, something happened, and I laughed, and no one else on my screen did. And I'm like, okay. I then did hear someone go, hmm. uh, another thing, and I was like, oh, that was a reference to blah, yeah, they're right, they're right, they're going, hmm, that. So there's so many little references in there. It is actually a pretty straightforward story, and oh, Taika is the king of having you laughing your heads off for a good 30 seconds, which the cinema was, and then breaking your heart 10 seconds later. And I didn't cry at this, but there were points where stuff was going down, it was absolutely batshit insane, and it was so like, ugh. And then suddenly you sat there and you can just go like, I'm okay. I'm emotionally stable. Yeah, this is absolutely fine. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, Michael Fassbender is pretty good. Um, it was, it, you could see when they had reshot bits of the film. 
because I filmed most of it in 2019 and 2020 while Tiger was busy picking up all of his Oscars. They filmed it all. Um, they were going to release it at the end of 2020 if there had been no pandemic or maybe the start of 2021. And then um, <coughs> COVID happened. <coughs> and um, obviously, um, Army Hammer happened. So I had to reshoot Army Hammer's parts with Will Arnett in it. Um, Will Arnett is always hilarious whenever he turns up in anything. Um, does at points feel like some of those scenes don't actually have any lines at all and it's just Michael Fassbender sitting there getting visibly frustrated with everyone in the entire world. Um, but I think that's how Will Arnett works. Um, and I know that Tyker likes a lot of improv as well. So At points it did feel like it was a little bit rushed. Um, <clears throat> we do spend quite a lot of time with some characters, which is good. Um, would have been nice to learn a few more bits about some other people, but that's not the case. We had a story to tell. I love the way that Act 3 starts off one way and then goes into another. That is really pretty cool and pretty special. Um, Tycho obviously gets his little cameo as his um, priest at the start and halfway through, which is always good. Um, if you've not watched that, please go and watch Hunt for the World of People. You should all watch Hunt for the World of People anyhow as part of your film education because it is the best Sam Neill performance you will ever see in your entire life. But it's sweet, it's fun. <laughs> is it Tyker's best piece of work? No, it's not. Did I have a wonderful time watching it? Absolutely. Um, do I recommend you all go and see it? Yes, this is more of the more sane versions of Tyker. If you want to watch... Um, there's various different levels of Tyker. Bad shit is um, <coughs> uh, Jojo Rabbit and uh, what we do in the shadows. Um, Mid-level is this and Hunt for World People, which are the two perfect starting grounds for Tyker. And if you want commercial, you watch for and you watch Off Lag Means Death. But... It's good. It's good. It was worth the wait. Um, it's not as... It didn't have the soul that Jojo Rabbit had, and I think that was probably due to the reshoots. Um, also, Jojo Rabbit is one of my favourite films of all time, and it does emotionally ruin me. Um, also, the wait for this has been forever due to everything that's gone on, but... Uh, I do plan on actually going to see this. I believe everyone else gets this Boxing Day, so I might go out and see this between the Christmas and New Year gap again. Um, and just hunt for the um, Tiger Easter eggs, because I'm sure there's a lot more than the thing I found. There's got to be, because I don't even think there was a um, shot where he spins around and it's, it's deemed as one continuous take, but it's not, because I love him when he does them. They are so good. So, yeah. That was this Fortnite Secret Cinema. It was Next Goal Wins. Please watch the documentary first and then watch the film because, yeah, I think that's the best way of doing it, for sure. It is time to look at what you've all been watching at home and at the cinema for the last fortnight. Yes, it is. Let's have a look at your home and streaming, first of all. We had a new number one. Yes, we did. It was Oppenheimer. Oh, actually, I think Oppenheimer was there the week before. I cannot remember, but it's saying that Oppenheimer was the new entry at number one. So good on it. Well done, Oppie. 
That's a lot of people wanting to sit there for three hours to watch that at home, so good on them. At two was Five Nights at Freddy's, which was another new entry, and three was the um, Equalizer 3, Justice for Dave York. Um, that's not what it's called, that's what I always just say. Uh, four was the creator. Five, a rising up chart was Love Actually. Prey was new at six. Day of a Reckoning Part One was at seven. Violent Night let back up the chart to eight. Barbie dropped to nine. And the first nativity film was at ten. Um, Elf also leapt up the chart. So did Polar Express, After Christmas, Home Alone, etc. And they all leapt into the top 20. So that is interesting to see what that was the case there. Then for the next week, um, Oppenheimer stayed at number one. Good on it. And Indiana Jones climbed back up the chart to number two, um, which leapt up from number 35. I have no idea how that suddenly went from there to there, but that is good to see. Um, climbing up the chart still was Love Actually at three, and then Elf at four. Equalizer three, Justice of Dave York was at five. Violent Night was at six. The Polo Express was at seven. A Haunting in Venice was at eight. Nativity was at nine, and Barbie was at ten. Um, again, uh, after Christmas, uh, last Christmas, National Lampoon's um, Christmas Vacation, Nativity two. Um, all entered the top 20. Um, Home Alone also was in there, Christmas with Cranks, so wonderful life. Um, the star of the first thing of Christmas also was in there. And then the higher, the lowest new entry, which was the last place on the actual chart because it doesn't go any further than 40, even though I know it does, but you know, um, was Past Lives. So good on it for getting onto the chart. So yeah, you've basically all been watching your Christmas films and Oppie at home. I mean, I don't blame you. Don't blame you for one second for doing that at all. Then we move on to your cinema viewing. What did you see? What did you see? Fourth weekend of the first to the third of December. Napoleon stayed at number one. Took £1.9 million. Pounds. Uh, the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes was at two, taking £1.6 million. Wish was at three, taking £1.4 million. The Renaissance Beyonce's concert took 1.08 million, and Andre Rue's Right Christmas took 1.001 million. The top five all took over a million pounds, but nothing else was there. Also, everyone was thinking that Beyonce might topple everyone, but obviously the Beehive don't work as well as Swifties. I mean, I didn't actually go and see the Renaissance film. Um, my sister went to see it, and she said it was. What she actually went to see it in person, um, and had a fab time at it. And I've seen the bits of it, but I don't need to see that in the cinema. Whereas the year was always impossible to get tickets for, so that was the case there. Anyhow, six was Animal, um, which took seven hundred nineteen thousand. Seven was Saltburn, taking five hundred ninety thousand. Eight was the 20th anniversary showing of Elf, taking three hundred forty-five thousand. The Marvels was at nine, taking two hundred nineteen thousand. And Trolls Band Together was at ten, taking one hundred and ten thousand pounds. Um, Bless Fallen Leaves, um, which was a Finnish uh, film, which took £107,000 and just missed out on top 10 by £3,000. Bless it. Literally, it was £3,000. <sighs> so that was what you watched that week at the cinema. And then for the weekend of the 8th to the 10th, how much did it take? Come on, the guest people. How much did he take? Wonka took £8.9 million. Pounds. 
There's no advance previous to that. It wasn't a Wednesday or Thursday release. It came out on a Friday. 8.9. That's what happens when there's nothing else out. <sighs> wow. Good on it. Uh, Wish was in second place, taking 1.1 million. Hunger Games Balance and Song vs. Snakes took 9.61 at 3. Napoleon took 900,501 at 4. Saltburn up the chart, taking 417,000 at 5. Animal stayed at 6, taking 401,000 at 6. Uh, Renaissance took 296,000 at 7. The 20th anniversary of Elf took 163,000 at 8. Home Alone's re-entry um, took um, 89,000 at 9. And The Peasants took 74,441 at 10. Um, Love actually um, got back into the top 15 um, there. Um, so this is, you ready to be freaked out a little bit? So this is week one of Wonka, okay? Week one of Wonka took eight, as I said, 8,904,750 quid, which, you know, I've been sitting there going, oh, okay, yeah. Would you like to guess how much the Marvels has taken overall in the UK? Seven million. Seven million and ninety-five thousand six hundred thirty-four quid. Wonka in three days took more than the Marvels has taken in six weeks. Five, no, five weeks. My bad. It says five on there. Oh. And I didn't have they had the strikes and they couldn't promote it at the time, and there was stuff going on. And there was also a late thing and all that. However, oh. I mean, I love Wonka. Um, as your hair. Um, <laughs> And I love the Marvels, as you did here. Um, but that's just like, oh, no. Oh, crap. <laughs> For my girl. But, yeah. I am very glad that Wonka did take that amount of money. And I'm very glad that everyone did go and see it. I'm hoping that people are still seeing it um, this weekend that's happening at the moment. Um, because there's a lack of stuff out this weekend, which is not good. Um, but that is interesting to see if that's the case. So, yeah. So, that's what you've watched at the cinema. Wonka. Napoleon, The Hunger Games, Wish, and at home you've been watching Oppie and you've also been doing Equalize 3 and various Christmas films. So it's always interesting to see that how much that takes. It's also interesting to see that so many of the Christmas films do still leap back up the chart every year. I know that songs do, mainly due to Spotify. I didn't realise that the home viewing thing quite had the same effect on the DVD and home viewing sales. But <sighs> yeah. So yeah, that's what you've all been watching at home and at the cinema. Hopefully something there has taken your interest and yeah, that you've had a fabulous time. I'm sure you hate me this episode. I'm sure you really do. Um, today is the 17th of December, 2023. On the 17th of December, 1993, in America and in the UK, there was a premiere of a film. Um, and it was called The Wrong Trousers. The public didn't actually get to watch it until Boxing Day of 1993. However, this 30-minute short movie changed my life. Four-year-old me was probably sat there on Christmas on Boxing Day, watching it, or watching it when my parents recorded it um, a couple of days later. He's going, like, ooh, ooh, ooh. Like, not actually appreciating what I was watching. 34-year-old me now sits here and... Stans Peppers McGraw. 
Fervus McGraw is the most evil penguin in the entire world. It's probably also the reason why I love penguins. <laughs> I mean, penguins are cute anyhow, but I, I'm sitting here, I'm looking at Lego I built recently, which is a penguin with a Christmas tree that came randomly with my Lego thing a couple of weeks ago, about a, couple of, well, about a year ago, actually, you know, because it came my um, last actual um, order that I made. And it came with a race crest, I think. Did it come with New Year's stuff? I can't remember. I'm digressing. But anyhow, yeah. Feathers McGraw, epic villain. So clever, so good. Um, it's 30 minutes of pure joy. That train set is insane. Um, the actual heist of the diamond. I'm spoiling this because um, it's 30 years old. If you've not seen The Wrong Trousers, you aren't British and you're probably under the age of five. <laughs> um, but I wasn't, so when I watched it, you're probably under the age of four. Um, so, yeah, I've watched that probably in my form two years watching the highest because I'm like that's kind of fun. I'm thinking oh but the suspense and score of the plus scene and the fact that that penguin is sweating and the plan of getting it and the fact that it's all have you seen this chicken and the line when Wallace goes good grief it's you is <laughs> still hilarious um the contraption to get into his clothes is really fun and the fact that Gromit's like driven out of his house the penguin gets drunk um there's so much random stuff that just goes on. Wallace is drying his hair. He's bald, he's mad plastic, and he's drying his hair. The effort in that, in stop, go, motion things. It's just like, oh, yeah. But that heist is just oh, so, so good. And then, obviously, the good grief is you. And then the fact that Gromit turns up to take out the penguin with a rolling pin. And then Ferris McGraw draws a fucking gun on him to shoot him. He's like, okay. But then it's all about that chasing. This is a 30 minute film, by the way, remember? For a 30, no, it's actually 28 minutes. Um, that's what it says on iPlayer. Um, and for three and a half minutes of this 28 minute film, there is a chase scene. A chase scene made in stop motion on a train with a score, with stress, with things being removed from it and things being added and things flying past really quickly and you know it's all quick shutter movements with the uh, camera because you know it's passing so every single time Gromit goes to lay something down <sighs> it's mental it's fucking mental how they did that back in like the 1990s because I <laughs> and you've probably heard me already on this episode I've not done my rundown yet but I've watched um, the new Chicken Run this week, um, which you've probably already heard about at this point. Um, but it's just, you see now that they use similar techniques, but they obviously can enhance it much more, you know, if there's more of a skeleton to move it around, it's less fingerprints on things, things are much easier done now because of that. But I've seen some behind the scenes stuff on Chicken Run, it's still ridiculously intense. But to do that with a stop motion train chase scene, for three and a half minutes, must have taken them almost a year to film because it's insane. And they're not small movements either, they're very quick, very fast, very oh my god for my emotions. And every single picture's got to be that many frames, just oh. the effort and the dedication to that is incredible. And it is what makes album that. I mean, you know, on Friday, I could have quite easily not watched dawn of nugget but 
I was sitting there, I'm just like, I'm doing 10-year-old me a disservice. I'm doing the little child that watched the wrong trousers and uh, a close shave and uh, a grand day out a disservice if I don't watch the new chicken one. I'm the girl that watched chicken one. I'm the girl that's watched one and since. I'm the girl that has Feathers McGraw currently sat on the sofa next to me. Yeah. I have a Feathers McGraw plushie. I bought him this summer because I was like, it's his birthday. He's 13. I need a Feathers McGraw. So... Please, if you've got iPlayer for the 28 minutes and 7 seconds, could you go on there? Could you type in the wrong trousers? And could you watch Wallace and Gromit, please, um, for its 30th birth, for the wrong trousers' 30th birthday? And watch the one of the coolest heists and the greatest chase scene of all time. Sorry, John Wick, Jason Bourne, James Bond, Jack Bauer, anyone else that's done a chase scene, Tom Cruise. It's insane. I know it's only three minutes long, and I know that we all know that they're going to get the penguin, and the penguins going to be put in the jail. Um, even though the penguin's broken out of jail now, we're all pretty sure that's happened. Um, but yeah, could you please watch the wrong trousers and just sit there and go like, yeah, yeah, you as a me as a four year old had a very good time watching that. Definitely, also then makes me feel old because four year old me is probably just looking at that going like, oh, wow, and now thirty four year old me is busy sitting here talking about it. <laughs> Going, oh, Feathers McGraw, my hero, I love you. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Wallace and Gromit. Um, also, and I know I probably mentioned this when he did die. Um, oh, no, because I think he might have died before I started doing a podcast, I can't remember. Um, but loved Peter Sellis, um, the guy that's taken over who used to do voices for the games um, and used to do some dubbing when Peter Sellis wasn't well, is taken over as uh, Wallace. Um, but God bless Peter Sellis and absolute legend that he is. Um, and yeah, please watch the wrong trousers, please. It's time for this fortnight's big review. Wonka. I think it was always going to be Wonka. <sighs> well, it is, so, you know. But uh, I took my mum. We went to the Connaught in Worthing. Um, it was in the big screen, so much so that she knew exactly where our seats were going to be when I walked us in. She's like, I know where we're going. I'm like, yeah, you do. <coughs> um, we went to the 550 showing. Um, it was, there was a few parents that were dropping like their old, their younger teenage kids off to watch it. Um, there were a few families as well, but I'd say it was about half four. It was the second day of opening, and obviously it's on absolutely everywhere at the moment. You can't move for Wonka, which is absolutely fine because if that's the case, it should be. Um, so I put my glasses on and we sat there and we watched the film. And when we left, I sat there and looked at my mum as the credits went up, and I went, and she, she went, what do you want? I'm like, I want a line. I would like you to do my letterboxed line, please. And to quote Mama, she said, what you have done there is that you've replaced a cute bear with a cute lead. She's 100% correct. For people who do not know, um, Wonka is made by the Paddington people. Um, it's a heyday production and it's Simon Farnaby and Paul King. And... It's crafted with love and it's got some people that have been in them and it's got other people that we as Brits know that are just like, oh, okay, yeah, they you need to be in this film, they need to do that. And it then just happens that it's very dashingly talented, handsome Timothy Chalamet in the lead. It is, a, to start with, you do everything. Hmm. 
he's the only American in this film, okay? And then you completely forget about it as well. Um, I did, anyhow. I know some people have sat on that. It's a bit, he's a bit miscast. No, he's not. He absolutely is like, ha, oh, in this. It's just, oh. He's so good. And without ruining the film, I cried. Um, because there was something that had been teased throughout the trailers and the adverts and everything else. And obviously it's a musical. Um, and I was just sitting again, like, they're not going to actually do it because even in the film, there'd been like little indentations that they might and it wouldn't happen. And then for almost the last part of the film, like the last scene, it happens. And I just felt my body go, oh, and they just fell over tears. Uh, I don't think my mum, uh, I did ask my mum afterwards, I'm like, did you cry? She went, no. I was like, oh, oh no. <laughs> um, but yeah, I had a bit of a cry. Um, and it was beautiful and it was funny and I'm quite glad, even though he's in a lot of a promotion for it, that Hugh Grant doesn't turn up for an hour. That's really useful because um, otherwise it would have quite easily been uh, Hugh Grant is an Oompa Loompa show. <coughs> Him, he is really good as an Oompa Loompa, but it would have become the Hugh Grant as an Oompa Loompa show. And he's only in about four scenes, but they all work, and it's all just like, yes, that's good, that's good. Um, the chocolates and the visual effects for the chocolates. Um, there's a villain song and dance halfway through, which is insane and is so well choreographed, and you just sort of go like, ah. Um, I love that Olivia Coleman and Tom Davis have basically have an affair. That is like, oh, my gosh. Um, the chocolatiers are like, yes, to them. Um, it's just... I wanted it to live up to something. I know that people sit there and they go like, oh, um, Willy Wonka and Chocolate Factory is the best version, or no, um, Charlie and Chocolate Factory is the best version. No, it's Dream Wonder. No, it's Step. No, it's a musical. No, it's a stage show. No, it's straight play. And they've always been very clear on this, that the only f the source material is still that it's Wonka, but this is pre-factory, pre-handing out golden tickets. Um, he's after it all. They've always been very clear about it, and that's their take on it. Um, so don't go sitting there busy expecting this to happen or for that. However, he wears that suit so well. Because, there's no offence, if you're going to play Willy Wonka, the coat and the hat have got to fit. They have to. And even if he'd have got the hat at the end, you know, so often in these um, films or these reboots, um, people get the thing at the end. Um, <clears throat> like um, at the end of the most recent Tomb Raider film where she slowly, her hair goes into two braids, her T-shirt gets ripped, and then at the end of it, it's they're both hanging down, she's in a blue top and she holds two guns in her hand and she goes, I'll take two. You know, that's the moment you're waiting for, for then you to be like, oh, okay, you know, Daniel Craig stand on the steps going, the name's Bond, James Bond, that kind of thing. We have to start casino around. But you've got to get it right. But they put him in the suit and the hat from the start. From a moment he opened his mouth and started singing, yes, he wore it well. Um, it's also very weird that for years, um, the breakfast show that I listen to every morning uh, with Greg James, um, when they started filming this in 2021, um, around Christmas time, he was on uh, Timothy Chalamet's talk because um, he was the hottest actor in the world because he'd just been in June, which had come out, and 
everyone's busy kind of like, oh we need to go and find Timothy Chalamet so he sent people to go and hunt for Timothy Chalamet and had all sorts of sneak peeks on there um and things in the know and <clears throat> yeah it was very weird um the day before I went to go see it on a Friday when he had uh, Tom Davis on the breakfast show he's just like well, I can actually talk to you about this now because I'll wait for fucking ever to talk to you about Wonka it's like yeah same here <laughs> because he found out all the tips and trades in the inside I loved that um the church was full of um, chocolate-obsessed monks, and Rowan Atkinson was a vicar. Um, what a good fellow. Good man. wonder if he's still giggling with God. <laughs> it was fun. It was really cleverly done. Um, I love that Simon Farnaby got his, like, three seconds in the film, as he always does, and he's... Um, like someone in charge of um, security or looking at something or doing whatever that's just like yes it's always the case whenever he turns up in one of these films it's like it's like you know i sat there earlier and i talked to you about um hunting for taika easter eggs if you watch one of these films uh by these guys you've got a hunt for simon farnaby which is just like yes <sighs> no it's it delivered I left feeling happy. I left desperately wanting to eat some chocolate. Um, my mum really enjoyed it. The songs were really good. My foot was tapping. It wasn't like it was getting irritating. Although the group in front of us, by the time I got to the fifth one, the song went, oh, another song, really? I was like, yes, kids. Did your parents not tell you this was a musical? Um, and Timothy was so good as the lead. Um, I mean, he's always good as a leader. I'm not. I don't. I don't need to send you to the church of Timothy Chalamet, do I? Because the man is rather fabulous. It's just. Please go and see Wonka. Um, I know that musicals aren't for everyone, and I know that people love their version of Wonka. But there will be people in ten years' time that sit here and when people go like, "Oh, Timothy Chalamet is Wonka," they will, people will stand there and defend him and go, "No, don't you dare! Don't you dare learn about Timothy Chalamet is Wonka," because it's incredible. He's so good, and you know, considering he's not sung much before, that was like, "Yes, kids, good on ya." No, that is was definitely worth the wait. It was definitely worth. But oh, we're doing this and we're doing that, and oh, yeah. Yeah, Wonka was incredible and it ticked all the things I wanted it to and I'm very happy I've seen it and so is my mum. So yeah, that is my review of Wonka. I hope you enjoy that and I seriously, I know that there's, there's not been much out for the last couple of weeks since the only two things that are um, cinema related that I've reviewed on here, um, but um, it will still be out um, this week and over all of the Christmas period. So please go and watch Wonka. You will have an incredibly fun hilariously happy sweet time because guess what it's that kind of film people it really is that is that for this fortnight's episode that is also that that's it <laughs> you all so much for listening and um being here for the most down year ever um it's really appreciated that you take some of your time once a fortnight to listen to me talk to you about films and to just ramble on and go off on tangents and i know that you will love it we will be back 
we will be back on the 3rd of January. The 3rd of January will be the last episode of this season, even though it is technically next year, because it will be our award show. Oh my god, I actually need to hand out some awards. I've not done that yet. Ah! <laughs> um, yeah. Don't worry, it's not the end. We're going to be coming back. Don't worry, season 4 will be happening. So, I am here to say to you all, thank you all so much for listening. Um, as I say every week, it's really appreciated that you do give up your time to listen to me and to hear what I say about films and see some of your messages back and like, yeah, oh, bless you all, thank you so much. Um, so, yeah, I wish you all a happy holidays, Christmas, whatever it is that you celebrate and whatever it is you do a new year and whoever it is that you see hug them tell them you love them tell them that they're important to you and that they are valid and that they are seen and that if they're not okay it's okay not to be okay do all of that and yeah just have an amazing festive period for the next two weeks because it's going to be so good but until we meet again on the 3rd of january you know where to find me it's popcorn underscore four underscore one on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, and Threads. Because I always forget about Threads because I keep forgetting I own it. Um, and it's popcorn1.co.uk for the actual blog in its entirety. So, yeah, we will have a next chat for the big one for the handing out of the film of the year. Which, when I've actually told people what my film of the year is, everyone's gone. Why is it not? <laughs> yeah. So that'll be fun. So yeah, we will see you then. Uh, until then, look after yourselves, be good to one another, and the rest will take care of itself. Happy holidays, happy Christmas, Merry Christmas, happy whatever, uh, happy new year, and I will see you all for the awards episode at the start of 2024. Take care, besties. Bye.